Hey, 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 everyone. This is Bush League Live at 5. Uh, I'm your host, Carl Ungren, and with me is my illustrious co-host, Kenny Greencorn, and Taryn, man in the born over there, Taryn Midzane. How you guys doing today? Oh, doing good. Hey, before we dive in, I got to mention, we are broadcasting from the traditional uh, traditional unceded Stolo territory. Of course, I messed that up the one time I'm live. Respect to the Stolo people. Yes, we are we are broadcasting from the traditional unceded Stolo territory. And yeah, we got a big show tonight there, guys. And this is on Civil Radio 101.7 in Abbotsford, serving the Fraser Valley. So, guys, World Juniors. Uh, How yeah. exciting was that? Second gold medal in a row for Canada. Oh, yeah. That is the first time since 2005-09, the stretch where, where Canada won five in a row, where we won back-to-back. And Canada's the only team in 20 years since Russia in 2002-2003 and to go back-to-back. Oh, only That's second huge. team? Well, no, we, no. Canada's the only team, only team. Okay. in almost 20 years to win back-to-back titles. Damn. Wow. The last team outside of Canada to do it was Russia. 2002, and then again in 2003. That's uh, that's a good record for us. That's pretty cool. I'm so proud of our boys. Yeah, Yeah. it was pretty awesome, right? And, uh, you know, Connor Bedard, what a beauty. We've got to talk a bit about him here. Just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. A lot of bit. This guy's awesome. could probably fill a whole show with us. Well, I mean, he's the best. That's the best wrist shot I've ever seen. Period. Bar none. Probably best since I don't even know who. Yeah. That that also, like... Not just in the gold medal game, but that deke he had against, I think it was like Slovakia or Czech. Yeah. Um, for in, that overtime deke. Oh my. I think I watched that highlight on TikTok like, so good. like 30 times so before good. I was like, okay, yeah, that was the OT quarterfinal uh, uh, little triple deke there he got yeah. for the goal. Oh. That was awesome. Showed he's more than a wrist shot. But that wrist shot's pretty cool. It looks like he's like dumping the puck and uh, oh. it just comes off like a laser beam. Oh. Like, I've never seen anything like it. No, on that wrist shot in the finals, when that offside call happened, and he was walking the line, went just over, and he just took a nice wrist shot right off there, top corner. Like yeah. I was like, how how did he do that? I, I mean, I know s- it was disallowed; it was offside, but still, the fact that he got that wrist shot from there and just floated it in is. I know, like, I know, it was disallowed, oh. but it was still like a little floater in there, right? But oh, it was awesome, unbelievable. And the thing, I'm wondering what, how fast is his shot? Has anybody actually re- like recorded time on this? I know they don't normally record wrist shot times, but I'd be curious to see if we know that because that's, uh, you know, if anyone's ever timed it, it's unbelievable. They did a little segment on how he developed that wrist shot and like interviewed his neighbors. Yeah. Did you see that in the gold medal game? They did a little segment during the pre-show. Oh, it was, it was awesome. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so he broke tournament records. We all know that. Lots of cool stats on that. Um, you know, I, sh- I will say, I just looked this up. Um, according to like Science of Sports of 2021, the average wrist shot is anywhere from 80 to 90 miles per hour. And... Uh, we from what we see we can see that Connor Bedard's is like not average. Yeah. Uh, so so that's a that's a uh, fast that's, that's a, a very fast. specific uh specific uh, number there. Yeah. Let's, Let's not forget he's only 17. faster than average. We I want to get a specific number Taryn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I, you know I I looked it up and all I got was like science of sports the average one is this off of like 100 NHL players. I love like, that science of sports and it's yeah. like science it's of noticeably com. faster. That's yeah. their only statistic <laughs> for him. Noticeably faster. Uh so yeah, uh 
you know, felt like he was on the ice for about 80% of Team Canada goals, especially leading up to, I'd say, like the second period of the semis where the rest of the team really started to turn it on. But he really carried them on his, on his back a lot of the time. I know that's controversial to say, but I really felt he did. Um, but there were, you know, a lot, a lot of production throughout the, the score sheet for Canada, but there's a lot of blowout games in there. And the blowout games to me, I mean, you can't really count that. You got to count the ones like the loss we had to, to the Czechs, looking at who produced in those games. Well, Bedard's one of the, you know, he's the guy, right? So even in a loss, he was producing. So I definitely think he carried the team quite a bit, but I, that win, absolutely the gold medal game and the second half of the semifinal game were all a team effort, in my opinion. So, yeah. Yeah. And like we got to give that, uh, especially like holding holding the team. Like, Kenny, before we went on air, on air, you were saying that the goaltending in that final game was oh. was was spectacular to watch, and just how he helped keep that team together. And like, yeah, every every person, yeah, may not be the top scorer, but like that goaltender held us, held kept us in to let us win that game too. Yeah, and that was um, Milich. Yeah, Milich. He, yeah, he's a new Westminster kid, or po- uh, played played out of Coquitlam for most of his uh, uh, young hockey career. He is currently unsigned. Should the Canucks sign him? Oh, man. What do you guys think? <laughs> it's not like we couldn't use a goalie right it's now. It's so true. <laughs> yeah, see, right? I think, I think like any any good player from the World Juniors is a benefit to us. Oh, <laughs> Almost. Yeah, yeah so, well, so, yeah, we'll, we'll dig but, in more to the goaltending later on in the broadcast. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting back to Connor Bedard, he's had an amazing WHL season so far this year. 27 goals, 37 assists, mm-hmm. 64 points. He's averaging about 2.2 points per game. In comparison, you know, that's slightly lower than where around Crosby was, which I think was around 2.5 or 2.4. And Gretzky used to be upwards around 2.88 in his junior career. So, But it just shows you that he's tracking well. And uh, I think he's going to be a generational talent. I think he could end up being one of the best players to ever lace up the skates. So I, that's just what I'm saying right now. You see that wrist shot. You see the the razzle dazzle of the of the and how he could just take it and go on his own. Now, how that will translate into the NHL, we don't know. We'll find out next year. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll appreciate that, Ken. I was going to say, like, you know, you, you can. I, I know, like, uh, when I used to play games, I was always told like, you only get better by playing with people against people of your caliber or better mm-hmm. and we i know it's so debatable to say there is no one better than him whatever but like being able just to play against these like nhl players you, yeah. he's going to just develop from that mm-hmm. you no know, yeah. le- learning learning to play against and how to beat ovechkin and, and mcdavid and like the, the the time he like you're saying he's still so young and the time he'll have to develop that yeah i mean unless some like i don't want to Unless something crazy happens, yeah. I can just see him being a, just a, a remarkable player to watch. Yeah, well, he has all the tools excited. that are necessary to build a star NHL player, a generational NHL player. So, you know, it remains to be seen. But, I mean, I don't think there's an argument. He's playing next season in the NHL. I, I, I don't think we'll oh, see him in the sure. tournament next year. Even though he technically has, because he's born in July, I think he has three more years of eligibility at the World Juniors, which is crazy considering all the all the uh, uh, the – tournament records he broke this year so yeah you know what uh, one one comment on that i think like one of the things i really liked about his game and and noticed was he's not afraid to take that puck to the net like a lot of times some of the moves he was making in my head i was thinking how does this guy so elusive like he doesn't get hit rocked no and he's playing against guys some guys that are like three years older than him and he's yeah like 
his speed is uh, well, miles those, ahead of his age. Some of those Czech guys look like there was something in the water for oh, sure. Man. So you know he's playing against some big boys out there. Uh, but yeah, it's a whole. Yeah, I, I think you're you're onto something there. Now on that note, the Czech Czech team. Let's touch on them a little bit. I actually just wanted before we do that. I brought up the I the I um, double IHF stats. He not. Like yes, he's leading. He led the uh, world juniors in points, twenty three at the end of the tournament. Mm-hmm. He also, from the looks of it, led the like all the players in assists too. With fourteen, the next highest came is nine. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure he broke like assists, goals, points, points in a tournament. Like just well, plus he was a plus fourteen. Like yeah. He was second on the team only to Joshua Raw at a plus fifteen, which is a huge feather in his cap, by the way, and Raw really turned it on in those last couple of games. Oh. So, uh, you know, and, and you know, there's a lot to talk about. Let's talk about one, mm-hmm. right? So he, uh, you know, Montreal has a steal of a fifth-round pick wow. with this kid. I mean, 150th all, and to go into this tournament and produce at, the, at 19 years old, a plus 15, turned a lot of heads. Oh, that, that penalty kill that he had, I don't know if you guys saw that, a part of this killing a penalty, and he just... Like single-handedly killed off almost half the penalty in the offensive zone. It was crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, he's six feet, one hundred ninety-three pounds, strong kid too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he for Fearless. all intents and purposes, he's going to be a really big player there in Montreal. Plus, he's got the name Wa, so they love that, right? <laughs> Is it Wa or does it go by Roy? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, if he's not, I'm pretty sure it's Wa. Yeah, if 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 he, I don't know if he's related or not, but if he is, then it has to be. Wah, no, I don't but think, if it's not, I don't think then he is, but, yeah. uh, but regardless, I've still got to call it. I'm going to err on the side of caution to say wah. Yeah. Uh, so now the Czech team, I wanted to talk about them. You know, I mean, the first medal in 17 years uh, since their bronze in the 05 Grand Forks tournament, back to back gold medals in 2000, 2001. Let's not forget about that. Back in the golden age of uh, Czech hockey. Are they entering a new golden age? Are we going to see more of them? Will they win at home and there in a couple of years? I think they're hosting in, in uh, uh, Oster of a couple years from now so will they win in that um i'll, I'll leave that to ken to answer because i i don't think i have the expertise to like to make a prediction that way i can only say i would hope so i'm i'm, I'm happy to see more teams um uh, even though yeah i'm canadian uh and we're all all happy for us to win but i'm, I'm happy to see more teams than russia u.s and canada in the and and that in, in the top in the top so i'd love to see them especially on home home territory and home turf i'd love to see them come in and be in the the final game, but well, yeah, I mean, that's one of my takeaways. The group stages are getting a lot harder. The, mm-hmm. If Russia was still in the tournament this year, this would have been the hardest group stages in the history of the tournament. Period. I think it was almost was even with Russia out of the tournament. So it's incredible. I mean, I think all signs point to the Czechs being a golden mm-hmm. era emerging here. I think the Czech extra Liga is looking really competitive. Yager's brought a real uh, reboost to that league playing there and mm-hmm. with his home team. And, you know, I, I, I think he's still playing in next year. So at 51, so that's crazy. Oh yeah. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. yeah. No, they, they looked really good. I was, I was impressed with Czechia and honestly uh, they, yeah, I mean, exactly what Taryn said. Like, it's awesome to have a lot deeper more. Team. Yeah. Uh, just deeper pools, right? Like Slovakia. more competition. Yeah. Look at Slovakia playing great all the way through the tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. They're again, very big sleeper team. I mean, uh, and their goaltender, Adam Gadgen. Mm-hmm. Gadgen is how I pronounce it. Uh, he stole the show and almost stole the game from us in the quarterfinals. Wow. 53 saves on 57 shots. Yeah, that was insane. Right? Uh, one thing I want to mention from that Slovakia game. Do you guys see in the last 30 seconds the Slovakian centerman, he... I'll stop tapping my chair here. But the Slovakian centerman, he laid down on top of the puck. 
Uh, but more than I've ever seen anyone do this, like right, right in the right at the faceoff mark. There, he's like laying on top of the puck, and they're trying to move him off, and he's just purposely keeping it under his back. I mean, at what point is that a delay of game penalty? I don't know what the ruling is on that at the, at the World Juniors, but I'm sure in the NHL that's called a penalty because it seemed very much like the the play's not getting called dead. How many seconds are being wasted? It was at least 10, 15 seconds that were wasted on that play. And that's with thirty. That's the last 30 seconds of the game. That's a big 10, 15 seconds for Team Canada. Our, you know, so, yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's, that's just a little food for thought on that. I don't one. know much about that, but I mean, uh, yeah, I mean... I, I'm pretty sure you got to be battling for the puck, right? Otherwise, I think they just blow it, they draw did, a face but they off. They didn't. But... And uh, go back uh, and watch that. I'm I will. You, I'll take a look. I didn't really see that. Really stood out to me. I was screaming at the screen. I was screaming <laughs> at the walls. But uh, yeah, uh, let's go back to some player analysis on this. So uh, Logan Stankoven, uh, you know, second to only Connor Bedard in points per game in the in the WHL this season. He had a very strong tournament: three goals, eight assists, nine points, with a plus twelve. There again, really mm-hmm. positive plus minus rating. And uh, he's third behind. Um, he's third in the CHL, I think overall, uh, with uh, uh, in, in points this season behind Bedard and then Jordan Dumais in the Q, QMG in the Quebec Major Juniors. Um, and he's a Dallas Stars prospect, I think, right? Yeah, Dallas Stars prospect. Uh, he's drafted in 2021, second round, 15th pick, so 47th overall. What wow. do you guys think of that kid? Oh, he was he had a fantastic tournament. Absolutely fantastic. And man, he looks good with Bedard. There's there, any, if there's any way you could draft the two of them together and put a line on, that would be awesome. Yeah, but he's and Stankoven's a very skilled player. But I don't know if you guys saw the stash on the key. He's 5'7, uh, 19 years old. So it's not like he's 17, 18 and going to grow more. Mm-hmm. He might get to 5'9, five, 5'10, five, but he's not going to be a big player. But, you know, the NHL's almost seems to be favoring smaller players these days. It's conduce, more conducive to a smaller player game. So, who knows? Maybe we could see this hit. I mean, if this was 10 years ago, we would not have seen this kid play a day in the NHL, I don't think. Or he might have been one of those call-up-and-down guys uh, playing 100 games over his career in the NHL, playing most of them in the AHL, right? So, yeah. You know, but uh, good player to watch, for sure. He'd, he'd be a good pick to pick in the late rounds of a draft. So, well, we'll Oh, yeah. He's a yeah. second-round pick, so. Yeah. And, yeah. like, uh, and more to like what you're saying about, like, you know, the, the, game, the, the game turning more from – six foot plus guys mm-hmm. just bringing back the smaller ones and i mean maybe not bringing back the smaller ones in but but leaning towards that like the, the speed on these guys on yeah. these young athletes too like that that must show something with how fast the game has been getting and how and like even just like like the wrist shots being fast but the smaller quicker guys coming back in being able to deacon dodge deacon dodge mm-hmm. in getting the fast yeah. quick goals i think that's just really it maybe not about size of player but just speed of player itself and well, you have could- to the yeah, game's evolving a, that way. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a five foot seven kid. So how about yeah. that? <laughs> Not when he's going at you that fast. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet my money on that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I could throw a wrench pretty hard. You know. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll test it out sometime. We'll yeah, do like a. Sure. We'll do a. So uh, Shane Wright, my favorite player aside from Connor Bedard uh, in the tournament. I love Shane Wright. Uh, I you know I watch him play. He reminds me of uh, you know Mike Pekka. I'm a huge fan of Mike Pekka yeah. in the history. But, uh, you know, is this kid, uh, is he the next Patrice Bergeron? Or, you know, what is he? I don't know. Like, uh, you know, he, he gets back well. He's a good two-way forward. But he had, like, uh, I think he was even on the plus-minus at the end of the tournament. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you about a two-way forward if he can't be higher up in that plus-minus category column? Yeah. No, I mean, that's uh, part of the game, right, is being good in both sides of the ice. So 
But he looked yeah. good in the tournament. He did, but I was surprised by his plus-minus rating. Yeah. Uh, so it's just maybe just a bad, wrong place, wrong time. Or maybe he was only playing quality minutes, so he wasn't on for a lot of those buffer goals in those uh, big games. But Bedard def- definitely you know, padded his his stat sheet. Uh, you know, all these guys, Stankoven, Guad, these guys all padded their stat sheet in those games. So I don't know. It's one of those things. But it's not like he didn't produce, right? He, mm-hmm. he had the numbers. Uh Four goals, three assists, seven points. But there again, even plus minus. That was my only question mark. But he sure looked good to me watching him play. Honestly, I think in the tournament when you watch, like they really did a lot of like um, line matchups, like really focusing in on on having Bedard uh, their line out when it can capitalize the most, right, against mm-hmm. uh, the weaker line. So I think they were using really Shane Wright and that line to really kind of match up against the other team's best lines too, right? So. Yeah, he's more of a that shutdown takes away, player. So you got the it. best lines are the ones that are obviously going to produce, especially for those deeper teams in the groups, like the Slovakias. And yeah, yeah. I would say Czech Republic, but man, I, I think they're one of the one of the top three teams going to next year. So mm-hmm. I, I can't really say that anymore. Like they're a deep team. They're or, I mean they're a deep team, but like deep in that grouping. Like they're one yeah. of the top teams in their group next year. So no, they look good. Uh you know it's um Shane Wright, back to Shane Wright. So mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there again, he was the fourth overall pick in 2012, 2022. He was the controversy around Montreal. He was, uh, you know, where Montreal didn't select him in Montreal for the first round pick. And he gave them a, a big glance as he went past the bench. Like, <laughs> I'll show you guys. Right. And he's got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Is a, that's productive. But at some points, can that also translate into an attitude as they get older? Uh, he definitely doesn't seem standoffish with the media. So that that's usually a good sign that he's going to be, uh, you know, a team player. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there's oh, those chips always have that. I feel like in every sport have that uh, that chance to do that, where you're just like, I just want to get back at this team or this this organization for not picking me that a little bit too much. I don't know. I I think that I, I would like to say that 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 this that right seems to be taken like you're saying. He's he doesn't come across that way in any media or anything. You look mm-hmm. giving looks is one thing. Proving your proving your worth to 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 that is another. And I think that he is proving that worth and maybe yeah. ma- and maybe montreal's looking at them going like damn we really we really didn't should have we really should have picked picked him well, we'll, we'll um, see. yeah he's he's at I mean, we're gonna have a really good chance to wait and see because he's uh i think he's at he's at seattle he's in seattle, he's we'll, in seattle we'll, right now, trust so. me we're gonna love to hate this guy <laughs> yeah uh but the <laughs> thing is he you know the one goal he's had this year in his eight games in the nhl uh, was scored against Montreal, so yeah. I think oh, there you know. go. There, there's, there's the poet. <laughs> there's some fuel, right? Yeah, <laughs> we've got the, we've got the pro- poetic justice there for them. So yeah, I, I think I think that kind of answers the the question. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I don't think he's got any grudge. I think I think if Montreal oh, he absolutely has a grudge against Montreal, yeah. But okay. I, I'm just wondering if it translates into a negative attitude. But it seems okay. like he's a, he, he seems like his teammates know. love him. Seems like the media loves him. I think he's going to be a darling. I think he could be a Patrice Bergeron quality uh, two way pl- two way player. Like he's going to yeah. be a great great centerman. I, I love him. So, yeah. um, Dylan Gunther, two goals in the finals, oh, uh, seven goals overall in the tournament. Kind of flew under a lot of people's radar. I mean, everybody talked about him, but you know his performance with ten points, seven goals. That's uh, you know rivaling Connor Bedard in the goal category. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, only a one plus minus though. There again, in the modern NHL, you have to pay so much attention to the plus minus category because of the number of goals that are starting to go in. Uh, you have to look at it from uh, that's the one metric that really is the value. Like, what value am I getting out of this player? How many goals do they put in, and how many goal- goals do they not not allow in? Right when they're on the ice. 
So, I don't know. I, he looked out of place at times to me. Uh, but he's playing great in Arizona this season. So, you know, it remains to be seen. But there again. Yeah. Could that could um, that be, like, just him, these players being still relatively young and getting used to the NHL pacing and even, like, in, in the World Junior turn, junior uh, Championship when you're kind of playing with people you don't necessarily play all the time? Could that just be that? In a way, or do you think that's more of a like consistent caliber of the player rather than him just not really being one hundred percent in his in his zone? My personal view of it is players who are out of position and give up pucks, dump the puck up the middle and do these bad plays, they're generally overperforming because they're overperforming because they're playing really hard and they're getting into position, but when they get they, they at a certain point they're up against somebody who's bigger, tougher, faster than them, and they make a dumb play. They make a bad giveaway. So that's the the, the the risk because if they get injured at all or they're playing through any kind of a small injury or favoring something, all of a sudden their performance shuts right off, and that plus minus really comes to the comes to the forefront. So that's that's my personal view on that. He oh, I just noticed that he is a minus five this year in Arizona, even though he's got eleven points in twenty one games, minus five. So. Well, that is Arizona. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's the next. Yeah, one. I'm just there. saying. Yeah. I think they might be uh, below us in the uh, goals against category um, yeah. in the NHL. One of few teams below us. <laughs> <laughs> just to point out. Yeah. yeah. So, what are the tournament takeaways? We talked about the group stages getting harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor Bedard, generational talent to me. Uh, he's in a league of his own, like I said. And uh, my other tournament takeaway uh, is. You know, they do the arena wave backwards in the Maritimes. You guys see that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I did not thank, see that. Thank you. <laughs> what? I, I, I didn't see it in the game that I watched be, watched because just timing-wise, I wasn't able to watch a lot of them like live. But I was watching clips of them, and I, and I, I, I thought it was, you know, sometimes when, when non-officially licensed thing uh, groups on YouTubers have take the clips, they, they purposely do things backwards so that they oh, can't yeah. get taken away. But then I watched one that was from TSN, yeah, and it was still backwards. Yeah, and I was counterclockwise. Just like, yeah, and I've started my fair nice share catch. of uh, my fair share of uh, of, the, of, of the waves, there, Kenny, yeah. as you know. And uh, it's always oh, here's a challenge for you, Carl: get so. a backwards wave going. Yeah, in, yeah. Uh, Be like that guy we saw at the game there a couple weeks center. ago, losing his <laughs> mind. He was so bitter that nobody was starting the wave with him, and then the wave finally got going, and he's like. Uh, he's too proud to oh, he join was in. So mad. Oh no, oh, he, he was, was finger he was, in the crowd, and oh my goodness, I was like uh, this guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, he, there's more to life than the wave at yeah, a junior right? hockey game. But the Maritimers <laughs> put on a beautiful <laughs> tournament there. How yeah. big shout out to the cities of Halifax and mm-hmm. Moncton for being tremendous hosts despite the short notice. People forget they had just six months to prepare for this. That's wow. it. Really? Only six months? Only six months. That's what it was announced back in May. I mean, they might have had a little bit of a heads up, but it was officially made public in May of last year. So about six, seven months they had to prepare yeah. for that. Uh, so now and this opens the door for other small market uh, you know, hosts in Canada, especially, which I prefer, mm-hmm. which I personally I, prefer. Especially for like the world juniors in that. Like, I think that yeah. those, smaller, those smaller markets, yeah, it's still pretty big, but, you know, the, the smaller markets can just, just mean not big main cities that require massive kind of corporate crowd crowding mm-hmm. yeah. like let the smaller markets with more kind of i don't want to say more passionate but some like some like really passionate hockey communities yeah. get get those chances to go in 
So, yeah, I, I agree. I think the tournament's better in small markets. Saskatoon, Regina. You know, there was the one year in Kamloops, Kelowna. They had some in Vancouver as well. But that was pretty cool. I like that. Uh, I could see Halifax maybe getting an NHL franchise one day. Uh, that Scotiabank Center they have there. How many arenas are called Scotiabank? Jeez. Uh, but uh, they only have 11,000 11, fan capacity there. Uh, so, it's you know, it would be the smallest NHL by quite a bit. Uh, the smaller teams have around 15,000 as their uh, uh, Winnipeg's one of those. I think it's the second or third lowest attendance. But yeah, so I don't know. I could see that franchise. What do you guys think? Halifax. Well, they don't have a team out there. So, I mean, just a junior team, right? Well, they but... said that the tickets were selling for $6,300 a piece wow. in the semis and, wow. and gold. Well, hey, so look, at, look at the guys coming out of that area, right? I mean, yeah. you got guys like... Uh, uh, from the Maritimes, like uh, Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon, and there's some skilled players out there. Yeah, and they don't have a, they don't have a professional team like that, right? So before we wrap up on on Team Canada here, uh, obviously have to address the elephant in the room mm. that uh, new interim chair, uh, His Honor Mr. Hugh Fraser, retired Ontario judge. Uh, the, so the goal he stated is transparency, obviously going out, uh, as they real rebuild the reputation of this iconic organization, you know, all, all eyes are going to be on them to see. I mean, it's a lot of pressure for him and for everyone involved, but, uh, I mean, it's so far so good. They pick a guy of, of, uh, impeccable credibility, right? So hopefully he can, uh, sh you know, shape up the ship a little bit. Well, they need it. So it's uh, good. Ken, you want to take us through the Abbotsford Canucks? Yeah, well, hey, listen, uh, as we transition, man, I'm telling you that World Juniors was a lot of fun. Uh, and the first first half of this uh, Abbotsford season has been pretty fun too as well. So um, just a quick recap from the last time we recorded. I think the Abbotsford Canucks were sitting 7-7-1. Seven, seven, and one. They had 16 points and uh, we're, we're sitting eighth in the Pacific, so five points out of a playoff spot. Um, since then... Uh, Abby's gone 12 and three. So they've had, uh, including seven and one at home during the, this, uh, 14 game stretch. So they're now 19, 10, one and one with 40 points and only five out of first. Um, so, I mean, what a fun ride it's been these last 14 games. I got to tell you, I mean, we've been to quite a few of those home games. I'm probably almost all of them. Yeah. Uh, it's been yeah. a blast, uh, a lot of fun. And I mean, we talk about the importance of, not splitting series and trying to get those full four points. And uh, in these last 14 games, they've really, really done that. And it's allowed them to really climb those standings, right? Yeah. I mean, they won the series against the Condors, the Rockets, the, the Barracuda, um, and then the Moose, right? So, well, and this all started with us talking about the importance of them winning at home mm -hmm. and how they hadn't been doing that. And all of a sudden they had that impressive, uh, you know, home sweep, I believe it was, if I recall correctly. And uh, now they're rolling. You know, now they're firmly in the top four of the division. Uh, they'd really have to poop the bed to, to you know, to miss the playoffs at this point. Uh, so the focus now should be on home ice advantage, right? Mm -hmm. That should really be the focus of making sure that we're, you know, splitting series on the road at least and trying to get that extra game at home on the home on the home series. If we can do that the rest of the year, we'll we'll ride home home ice advantage, which is huge cuz let's face it, California ice stole the Calder Cup from us last year and the well, I mean granted we were eliminated in the first round, but yeah. we got eliminated due to that California ice. So we want to take matters into our own hands and make sure we solidify uh, home ice advantage in the playoffs so that we can get off to a good start and get rolling, especially when some of those players come down from the Canucks. 
from the Vancouver team. Yeah, right? yeah. So uh, we, don't, we need to give those fast players some ice to skate on. Pod Colson got shut down in Calif- down in California last year because of the slow ice. So yeah. yeah, and listen, they got a twenty-four at a possible thirty points. So I mean, they went from eight to third. Uh, and really, they're only five points out of first now. So it's going to be a fun run uh, for the rest of this, uh, or I guess 2023 here. See how they do. Yeah. Um, well, I guess anything can happen too, right? Uh, it is the it, it is the always hungry league after all, right? So oh, it's uh, it's true. It which which uh, like I said, okay. So let's say we get it, we. Um, I, don't, I don't like to like say anything and then like potentially like you know hijinks <laughs> things. So let's say we get in the playoffs. Which what are the, what are your teams that you're would be mo- most intrigued in? to go see those games to get like to get for fans out to get fans out to go see those games because of how exciting they would be versus ones that were going you're kind of you'd be more on edge about like hey you guys have to we have the team has to really really band band together and like, like really in the playoffs or yeah up to the playoffs um either or like just well, in general i, think, uh, I, think I leading up, up to the board. playoffs any teams that are from the east you don't get a lot of opportunities to see them play uh in because mm-hmm. people forget that the hl it's not like the nhl where you play in you know, a lot of teams in the other divisions. You play mostly in your division throughout the year. You do get some take outside of the division, but the league is really all about that. The teams we don't want to play, uh, you know, uh, it, it depends on how this Wolf kid keeps playing in Calgary. Yeah, uh, you I was know, just going to say the Wranglers. playing the way he is, we don't want to play them in the in this Calder Cup. Uh, you know, some but the mid-level California teams don't really scare me on our ice. If we make the like, they just don't. I think we have a better team, especially with the way the organization is structured and the type of players that could come down from the Vancouver squad. When, if hopefully we don't make, if we don't make the playoffs, right? Yeah. So that's that's the reality. You got to realize at the HL level, Taryn, that, that if these teams go in to there's, it's very rare that a good team in the AHL doesn't have a good parent club. So usually the good teams in the AHL, their parent club will make the playoffs in the NHL, so they won't get any help from the parent club. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Canucks last year were poised to get a ton of help. Pod Colson came down, it looked like we were going to have a lot of help there, but then we just, there again, not going to beat the horse to death here, but we got beat by that California ice. So if we can mm-hmm. get into a good run there, I'm not scared of those California teams. Yeah, no, yeah, no I agree. I mean, uh, when the playoffs hit, it's a, it's a different format, right? There's a lot of teams that miss out in the NHL, and they send players down, and um some teams look different right so you just never know but uh but let's talk about some of the scoring so far to this point Uh, how about will lannan i mean uh this guy's been like we talked about last time quietly consistent right yeah he he had that 13 game point streak where he set the uh abbotsford record for longest point streak and i believe he had 22 points in those 13 games which is pretty awesome um he started defenseman unbelievable yeah i mean he started the season with three points in his first eight games and since then he's gotten 34 points in his last 22 games so i mean it's pretty incredible leads the team 37 points in 31 games uh is only third in the league right now in scoring so um yeah and it's like who is the bolanon man i mean where'd this guy come from right fifth fifth in overall scoring like you said that's Mm -hmm. incredible right he's chasing that uh michael carsoni the uh, 26-year-old. <laughs> the ex-Knack. He's also a 26-year-old undrafted Coyotes asset. So mm-hmm. you know, here we have all these top-performing guys that are undrafted, high draft picks. AHL is kind of a weird league this year. It's really crazy. Yeah. A lot of overperforming players. Um, but it's, it's it's entertaining to watch. Uh, you well, know, it's, it's kind of like what you were... What, we, what you guys were kind of mentioning and talking about, like how good the young talent is in the World Juniors, where it's like that translated into these like drafted players now, where they're stepping up so much and you think of like all these teams in the nhl that are in the kind of limbo do yeah. do we rebuild do we not 
So yeah, I, I think it's really cool seeing like the AHL players just giving as much as they can and mm-hmm. seeing the talent that that has grown in the sport for the last number of years over this is is pretty pretty phenomenal to watch. And further to uh, that, you know, it's it's good point, Taryn, because further to that, five years ago, a lot of these guys that were drafted in the later rounds were smaller guys but skilled hockey players. Mm-hmm. We've seen the NHL evolve quite a bit in the last five years. It's more conducive to a smaller player, like we mentioned earlier. Yeah, so yeah. these guys who were drafted high, now they're getting their opportunity to shine because the game's changed, the game's shifted, and they can use their speed to dominate play and their skill. Like Look at Sheldon Drys. He's one of the most skilled players you'll ever see. He's yeah. had a really tough time breaking into the NHL. He's had success success this year in Vancouver and we're glad to see that but such a tough time up to this point or TJ Tynan down in yeah, uh, yeah. down with the Ontario Reign in LA right you just can't break into that LA lineup so it, I think the game's changing and you're going to see a lot of these sleeper picks performing in the AHL because of that for that very reason so yeah. that's going to be really kind of exciting over the next two or three years as we start to develop more new drafts who yeah. are who are I think you're going to start to see these guys getting most of that credit uh, to that credit, we talked about uh, Stankoven, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he got drafted second round, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 47th overall two years ago at five foot seven, and he would have been smaller back then. So yeah, yeah. how many teams would take a chance on a small player like that five years ago? No way. True. He would have been yep. a fifth, fourth, fifth round pick. Good point. Uh, you know? Good so point. It just shows you what's changing. Uh, but, yeah, Will Lannon, you know, for, when you read the stat sheet on this guy, he has all the makings of an NHL star defenseman, like a top four defenseman, especially in a team like Vancouver that struggles on the defensive side. Twenty-seven years old, he's in the in the prime of his career. He's six foot two, a big guy, about two hundred pounds, soaking wet. Right, uh, two thousand fifteen draft draft choice, fourth fourth round, hundred seventh overall. So sleeper pick, right? Sleeper pick, mm-hmm. six goals, fourteen assists. Uh, 20 points in 70 NHL games over seven seasons. That is good production for a defenseman. Why is he not in the NHL? He's one of those guys that uh, you know got drafted and started in Ottawa. After some injury trouble, he went to LA for uh, Michael Amadio. Michael Amadio, yeah, who was a, was a hot player in LA at the time. Uh, and now Amadio, you know, he's 255 games into his career. He's 69 points, uh, 33 goals. But and he's not bad. He's a big big guy himself, right? Uh, centerman. There again, like he was traded, and then uh, these underlying uh, issues with uh, Willanda being injured, and then he got claimed off waivers by Buffalo, and he got bounced around, and it's just COVID happened, and like this guy just has not had his chance. So I really think, I'm I'm wondering, I'm watching all this, I'm like, why is he not playing in Vancouver? That was my I'm, next question. I'm wondering, like I tried finding the stats on his two-way contract of what he makes, because he makes 750k per NHL game. I don't know what he makes in the AHL. But I also suspect, because he's on a one-year deal, mm-hmm. that maybe the Canucks don't want him to overperform if they're not going to make the playoffs and they have to sign him to a big contract. Leave him as a sleeper, bring him in next year on a, another $750,000 contract. But I don't know. I feel like... Well, the other issue you have, too, is he's on a one-way. So if you bring him up and you have... No, he's on a two-way. Oh, he's on a two-way. Oh, I thought you said one-way. My bad. Two-way contract. Okay. Yeah, So and that's the thing. So I don't yeah. know. Like, why, what, what, per, what reason beyond that they don't want... Like maybe they want to re-sign him at a cheaper, cheaper con- like uh, at the same contract because with his yeah. production now, somebody's going to come and grab him for one 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 point five. I think mm-hmm. like he's more not just a you know minimum contract guy anymore with this kind of numbers. I don't know. I'm just confused why he's not playing in Vancouver. He hasn't gotten more opportunities, but uh, 
Uh, yeah, but he has almost as many NHL games played so far in his career as AHL games going into this season, right? Uh, and yeah, it's, it's just he slipped through the cracks with COVID. I really hope he gets an opportunity here in the in the Canucks organization. They don't blow it because I really I could see him finishing his career in Vancouver and yeah. having strong numbers and being a top four defenseman for the Vancouver club. Well. Defense is what they need, so uh, he's on the right uh, farm club uh, if he wants an opportunity. So I just I'm baffled as to with our defensive woes in in the NHL why he's not there. But anyways, he's been a pleasant surprise and fun to watch. Like he's just been yeah. very solid at both ends of the ice. Um, how about Pedersen? Uh, he's yeah. second on the team. Was second on the team in scoring uh, before he was sent up to Vancouver. I mean. He started the season with nine points in his first 15 games, but in his last seven games before being called up, he had 15 points in just those seven games. So it was awesome to see like the Vancouver club recognize that, Hey, this guy's like on a tear. Like let's, yeah. let's reward this guy and let's not just call him up to the NHL, but let's put him on a line with Pedersen like, yeah. and, and PP one time. Like it's just, uh, yeah, but I mean, Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux, he won't pull any punches. He'll give those guys that chance. Yeah. He did the same thing with Sheldon dries, right? If you, yeah. if you come in hot, he'll play you. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, I mean, three points in seven games in the NHL. I think he was a, a healthy scratch the last couple of games, but uh, nonetheless, uh, good for him. Um, we've had Hoglander down here. Yeah. Yeah, he's been uh, looking good in Abbey. Four uh, points in six games, so yeah. Is this going to be the spark he needs to get going? Oh, man, I hope so. He's fun to watch. Like, he's just... Um, smart hockey guy. Very smart. He, he is, and he's creative. He's uh, He works hard. I just don't know... Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know all the details of. Uh, they say there's uh, some defensive struggles in his game, but uh, and and consistency issues. But he's been fun to watch in the HLL. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's for sure. And and I forgive me, but some of my HL stats are from earlier this week. After all, this is Bush League, folks. Uh, so you know, but uh, Linus Carlson, two. Yeah, you know, he's tied for first in rookie scoring. Last mm-hmm. I checked, uh, nine goals, seventeen assists, twenty six points. In 31 games, and he had a bit of a slow stretch there, where he was playing more of a physical role. I think he's fallen back into that, you know, that uh, uh, for that that uh, <clears throat> I want to say scoring forward role yep. that he likes to play, and he's not trying to play too many, wear too many hats, and he's starting to perform again. And we yeah. talked about that in our last episode. So for sure, I mean, know. this guy had a great start to the season, right? I think he had like eight points in the first five games, and then he kind of tailed off, right? I think he. He only had 11 points in the the next 21 games, and obviously it's a bit of a learning curve for him. But i i think I think he was getting frustrated at times. I mean, you talked about that on a previous podcast where you could see it at the games, yeah. like just frustration, like taking dumb penalties, going after guys, like just that's not his game, right? Yeah. And uh, I mean, since then he's he's kind of found his game again, right? He's got seven points in his last five games, and he's like you said, he's eighth in scoring, right? Tied yeah. for the league lead, so. Uh, in for a rookie, I mean, sorry, it's which is awesome. So he went from eighth to pretty much first. So, hey, I wanted to touch on uh, goaltending. Let's do it. Let's do it. Arter Seeloff specifically mm-hmm. here in Abbotsford because we've gotten to see a lot of them with uh, you know with the with the Demko injury yep. and Dilia getting the nod. <clears throat> and I, I don't think that was any slight against Seeloff. I think that was that the Canucks see a potential starter in Seelovs that it, they're hedging their bets a little bit on Demco now, uh, like they were trying to do with Mikey DiPietro. De, De yeah. And I can see that. So I think they're just giving Seelovs a chance, and he's rolling with it, and he's play, He's uh, tied for second in wins at 13 wins. 
behind Wolf, who's just a freak of nature. Uh, we don't know where that's, where that happened. But I kind of looked down the stat sheet. And there again, forgive me, some of these are, might be outdated. But this is just kind of a tangent I went on, and I wanted to share with you guys. So <clears throat> he's got the 13 wins this season. Uh, he's got an 8.93 save percentage, 2.74 goals against. Uh, yeah, went on a bit of wild goose chase here. He's tied with that Yaroslav Askarov uh, with, the, with the Admirals. Uh, chasing, and now Askarov is the National Predators' pro, high-end prospect. He's the 11th overall pick from 2020. So that's pretty good, pretty pretty prestigious company to be in. Uh, but they're both trailing D- Dustin Wolf, like we said in Calgary. Huge surprise to everyone this year. He's 21 year old. Uh, you know, drafted in 2019, uh, seventh round pick, 214th overall. May as well not have been drafted at that point. <laughs> I know I have some guys I know that got drafted that would probably argue with me on that, but. I mean, you don't expect a guy in the seventh round to play in the NHL or to lead the AHL by five wins over the next best goalie at this point in the season. It's just unreal. So, you know, obviously Calgary having really good development in their goaltending coaches there. I wonder if, uh, you know, Markstrom's involved. I'm not sure. I mean, I've, I've heard that he's really good at working with understudies and other, other uh, goalies. So, you know, it's uh, looking really good there. But uh, .929 save percentage for him. Behind only Brandon Busey in Providence with a 935 save percentage. Uh, and there again, another surprise undrafted player. And we've, this is, seems to be a theme we're seeing in the NHL this year. Uh, Boston Bruins prospect. He's 24 years old. That's uh, Brandon Busey I'm talking about in Providence. Uh, and I, I use prospect as a loose term. He's 24 years old. So, you know, mm-hmm. this is another kid that undrafted shouldn't really be performing at this level. Uh and he's behind only Hunter Shepard with the Hershey Bears, uh, also undrafted at 1.88 goals against average. So you kind of go down this whole tangent of these top-performing goalies, and they're all you know surprise hits this year, and they're all over the place. Uh, I also happen to notice Corey Schneider uh, yeah. popping up on their playing. He noticed that court. too, eh? <laughs> I was like, wow, here he is. Yeah, he's, he's, that a boy. I thought he was. I thought he was working at Dick's Sporting Goods by now. <laughs> But uh, there we are. So. Well, hey, listen, on Seelovs, just to mention that, I mean, uh, he only had three regulation wins in his first 10 games, right? And yeah. since uh, since Delia got called up, he, he's got 10 wins in his last 12. So, I mean, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, it's just the the more, the being that official. Yeah, like I was about to yeah. say, like the more he's been able to play, the more he's been able to get in his groove, the more the team has been able to, to, to have that trust in their goalie, the more he's been able to, like, perform Absolutely. and get to where he is you know, I was going to say because you know we uh coming up on some coming up on some time here but we got some speaking of the Astro Canucks we got some games tonight and oh, tomorrow yeah. tonight yeah. at seven he uh yeah so tonight it's right now it's Friday Jan oh, 6th yeah, there's a game in an hour yeah, so, yeah. Really, game at game at seven against uh back to back against I'll Henderson get a counterclockwise wave going yeah exactly <laughs> I expect that <laughs> we expect to see that so yeah, we we got Henderson Silver Knights tonight, tomorrow at seven, and then we're on the road uh, for San Jose before we're back on the eighteenth against Calgary, against yeah. the Wranglers, against your against your goalie Wolf. What are you guys thinking about like what to watch for the game? What are, about even like tonight and then continuing through until the next kind of home stance against like I said, we got the Wranglers on the eighteenth, twentieth, and twenty first, and then the week after the Marlies. Yeah. Back yeah. to back too. Yeah, always like I'm like watching this Wolf kid. Uh, yeah. But also one thing to not watch this weekend. Uh, by the way, get your tickets and we'll see you out at the games. Uh, 
But one thing about watch is those ugly, god awful, ugly helmets in the Henderson Silver Knights where they oh, blind man. you if you're not careful. So just <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. That was the worst. I want to bring a laser pointer one time and just bounce but, yeah, it off. So not watching. I, I bring, that. I bring. I sometimes bring my Polaroid glasses just to wear them for yeah. the. For hey, the uh, Sheldon Remples, he's he's back in I town. I was just gonna say, Remps is back, so. and and honestly, the the Wranglers will be will be a great. Uh, a great set. I mean, we're trailing them by five points right now, right? And they're yeah. tied for first. So this has created a bit of a rivalry. This is uh, this is fun. Wolf, well, we knew that was going to happen team. right from the start. That mm-hmm. had the buildings of a rivalry. The fact that it's the ex Abbotsford Heat franchise yeah. that's now in Calgary, where it should have been in the first place. They were nuts bringing a, a division rival NHL clubs farm team especially to Abbotsford. Calgary. That was especially nuts. Calgary, and especially yeah. at the time. Like Houston, I I don't. I disagree. So, I don't want to say I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not going to say I disagree. I agree with bringing in an AHL team to Abbotsford in general. Like, oh, like absolutely. yes, it's a great yeah. hockey town. Yeah. Good, good passion, passion hockey community. But you're right. You bring in your division. Quite literally, the like division rival until Seattle came in, and yeah. at the time where the two teams were quite literally always going to face each other in playoffs. Yeah, that just didn't like. Why would you go bring a team in that the fans are going to not want to win? Yeah. That doesn't make, make no mistake about it. The Calgary rivalry is still much stronger than the Seattle Kraken rivalry. Oh, it, by it's a lot. like 30, There's too yeah. much history yeah. there. It'll be 20 years before that gets replaced. Yeah. But, uh, or maybe 10. We'll see. It depends. depends on what, it, it depends if Seattle depends wins a cup. Depends on what Shane Wright does. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It depends if Seattle wins a cup anytime soon. Yeah. Oh, God. So. Oh, that would. Oh no, that would. I shouldn't have said we'll that. We'll burn I'm the sorry. building down if that happens. <laughs> yeah. Not but I'm, really I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go home. My uncle's gonna look at me and be like, "Why'd you say that, Taryn?" I don't know. Our PSA for today: arson, not friendly. Yeah, uh, no, I'm, I'm not advocating to actually do that. <laughs> um, so yeah, well, let's let's kind of relay into the Vancouver club here. Mm-hmm. Let's stick on the topic of goaltending. Yeah, let's do uh, it. Does anybody have a status update on Demko? Where what's happening with him? Ooh, I do not have a status update on Demko. Okay. Uh, but what I can tell yeah, you, I'll find out real quickly. Yeah, what are you, what are you looking for? Well, it's just, just, uh, I just want to know what I, it doesn't let, put it this way. No news is good news. If it looked like he was coming yeah. back soon, we'd know. Uh, Spencer Martin, not really looking great as of late. Uh, he got kind of lit up by the Islanders on Tuesday and, uh, I'm really liking the way Colin Dillia is playing. Uh, he had a great game last night yeah. in Colorado. Great game last week against the Jets. Uh, these are both good offensive teams for a, for a guy like him that the media is quoting as an AHL goalie, mm. which is, uh, you know, not fair. And even his own teammate reaming him out on the ice. And I don't care how much JT Miller is trying to brush this under the rug and saying the media is making him out out of molehill. I'm a fan and it pissed me off. And I, I've turned on JT Miller. Now I'm kind of fed up. I, I, I can't believe I'm stuck with this guy for six years now. I thought that was completely disrespectful. And I, I, it's almost unforgivable to me. And with how he's been, cagey with the media this year i think that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for me yeah i i you know we were talking before uh we went on there and and i think kenny and i uh had a good talk about this but it just felt that it was it's just uns, it's just a slap in the face to sportsmanship yeah right and just being a, a professional and being yeah. a teammate and it's funny so i look i i do my little research is perfect segue in here so number one uh the quote from boudreaux is that he's hoping that on the road, road stance demco could come in for either practice or a game, but it doesn't look like any hope. This is a course uh, from CanucksArmy.com and uh, uh. and that. And uh, funny enough, uh, the tie-in 
uh, article on it is JT Miller's lack of self-awareness cast doubt on his ability to fix flaws in his game. That's the next uh, title of yeah, the you know little short articles. So yeah. funny, funny timing of, of the two of the two uh, moments. But yeah, yeah. Um, to answer your question, as of right now, it is just uh, wait, kind of a wait and see how he is during practice and road. Um, yeah, they, they, yeah, they said six weeks uh, originally from the date of his injury, so I think there's still Oops. still some time for yeah. that. Nothing, nothing has still uh, within that timeline, I think, yeah. right? Well, that would only yeah. be a couple weeks but, from now, though. But yeah, but or, listen, yeah. I I do want to comment on on Delia. I mean, after the game, he he did an interview. Actually, he does great interviews. This guy, by the way, um, but he was talking uh, at the interview, and he brought that up flat out. He's like, "Look, there's been a lot of um, a lot of talk about." other players calling out other players and and we've you know we kind of spoke about that and and we really wanted to come out and have a good game today and they did right but in Delia's play like let's not forget I I have to bring this up because it was probably the best game I've seen all season and one I best I've seen in a long time but that Montreal game where Spencer Martin let in four goals and I think they were down four nothing and Delia came in and they won seven six yeah. If anybody walked away from that game at four nothing or turned off the TV, I'm telling you, I got home from work and it was four nothing, and I just turned on the TV and I was like, "Oh, sweet!" Like they just came back, rallied up, and won seven six in OT. And uh, Delia saved Martin from getting an L that night uh, and yeah. put a W in his column. So, anyways, it was really cool. Um, uh, I yeah. will I will say this though, and I know we're running out of time, but yeah. they need to fight the urge to keep playing Delia, and here's mm-hmm. why. And this is the thing, every. Every Canucks fan is like, oh, I'll play, ride him, ride him, ride him. Here's the thing. He is, he's overperforming. I mean, he's a good goalie. He's a good backup goalie. Like, if you told him two years ago that he'd be a backup goalie in the NHL, he would love it. Right? Yeah. So you got to realize this guy is not a starting goalie in, at the NHL level. But here's the thing. If you can get both of these guys playing well, then we have a chance of making the playoffs. But if you're just going to ride Delia out, we're just going to finish just out of the playoffs. So I'm I'm cautioning everybody to try and say to 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 not say let's play Delia, let's play Delia, let's play Delia. You need to play both goalies. Get Martin hot again. Get him playing better. If you can ride both those guys, we might make the playoffs. Uh, and if Demko can come, come back and play better, so that's yeah. all I have to say on that. But. Uh, uh, we want to make sure we shout out to PD getting the all-star selection. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what about Bo, right? Uh-huh. Uh, is he going to get voted in? Time remains. If you guys think he deserves it, get on the um, full, I mean, get on the wire and vote him in. Yeah, I think I think definitely deserves it. But yeah. I, think, I think that just means we as fans got to put him in. Absolutely. Give him, you know what? Vote. Like, Let's not make this guy stay any longer. We definitely want him to stay, but I mean, like, Let's give this guy as many feathers and badges as he can in his cap so that he can go and have that career uh, and have those those stats. And he, he deserves it this – 100% deserves it this season. Absolutely. For, how, for what he's done in the beginning. Um, hey, I forgot so to mention when we, were talking, when we were talking about the Team Canada stuff there, I forgot to mention the Michigan. Is this is this now oh, a more man. common th- – are we going to see this in, in games all the time now, the Michigan? Uh, we had two in that first period against the Czechs in, on Boxing Day, yeah. and it almost seemed to galvanize the Czechs. Like, you want to try and embarrass us? We'll show you a thing or two, and then they end up coming on to win that game, right? Uh, so I don't know. Are we going to see more of this? Is this commonplace now? They, these kids are just so skilled, man. The things they can do uh, with the stick is just incredible. It's incredible. It's becoming easier for them, it seems. You know, like back then it was so hard to do it. You didn't. You never saw it, so – but – Anyways, you're probably on to something. We're going to see some cool stuff from some of these young kids coming up for sure. 
So we talked about the Abbotsford Canucks playoff picture. You know, it's mm-hmm. looking really promising. The Abbotsford Canucks picture, it looks like a two-sided coin that got dragged across the cement for half an hour. So you got one side that's pristine and perfect, and the other side it looks like it's been through hell and gone. So that that's really the playoff pictures for the two teams. Now we talked about, you know, the, the Abbotsford Canucks would really have to poop the bed to not make the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you never know with the AHL, especially with the parent club that's, uh, you know, well, the the Colorado win puts us back on track a little bit, but almost seems at times like they, they're on the borderline of falling apart, which could start a lot of up and down shifting of players, which messes with the Lions and Abbotsford and creates dynamic and chemistry issues. Uh, but I think as long as we got Artur Seeloff, we're good. But Vancouver, I mean, realistically, we, I touched on the goaltending. What do we got to do to make the playoffs this year? Is there some trade deadline move that does this for us? What is it? What do we think? Well, I mean, right now the Canucks are, I mean, we're, what, like five, six, no, what, 43? So we're like yeah, but the six is, points out, right? And, I mean. The division's heating up, too. Like, yeah. the teams in that division are playing better now. So it's not like before where you could lose and not lose ground. Every time you lose, you're losing ground. 100%. 100%. And right now, like, honestly, I mean, their penalty kill is atrocious still. And their defense isn't much better, so I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything you can do that can drastically improve it. So, yeah, cool. I don't know. It's just my that's my thought on it, and and I, I worry about a lot of that kind of stuff too, right? Like I worry about what, what's going to happen with Kuzmenko, what's going to happen with Horvat, what's going to happen with, you know, like me and Taryn of- were just talking about this before the show too. We're just like, like, do we hang on to these guys thinking we're going to make the playoffs, and then we don't, and then we lose them for nothing because we can't afford to sign them like Kuzmenko's let me look at this guy I know I mean what do you you're not going to get him for like two or three million like you're going to get it's going to cost you at least five million for him next year point per game he's already at almost 20 goals unless he suffers an injury this year and that's another thing if Bo Horvat gets makes the all-star ballot does Mm -hmm. he suddenly um does how much does his value shift up and down if he makes it or doesn't make the all-star team? Yeah. <laughs> Man, right? Now it, suddenly his qualifying offer doesn't look so bad if he's not an all-star player. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, so, it's going to be interesting to see what they do um, in this in this second half well, of the season for sure. Uh, I think we're running out of time, but one thing I wanted to just – I want to say my thoughts and prayers, and I know you guys join me in this with DeMar Hamlin. Yeah, Thoughts absolutely. and prayers to his fa- family. Well, yeah. I know we're not really yeah. a football program, but, man, that was Devastating. horrible. Devastating for sports in general, and I just yeah. – No no one was really prepared for that, and there was so much to talk about this. And, yeah, I know we only we only have like a minute left, but, like, yeah, uh, that was a rough one to watch. That, yeah. was, that, was a, that was a – like, I couldn't believe what I was watching at the time, and, uh, and yeah – it was yeah. sort of thing. No, no league ever. I know there's always in, in things saying like, oh, the, the NFL is no is isn't prepared for this. It's like, yeah, no one's prepared for this type no. of thing. Yeah. Well, uh, up next is Show Rose Place with DJ Darko. This is a one one point seven FM Civil Radio serving the Fraser Valley, broadcasting from the traditional unceded stolen territories. I'm your host Carl Lundgren. Taryn Millsane and Kenny Greencorn. We're signing off, and I want to just send you out on Country Road. This is what we see. We need to go McCallum Road tonight at the game. Absolutely. Let's do it. We were born Western Canada Mount Mama. I'll keep my day job, folks. Ah.